Namaste. Welcome to Vedic Vidya. My name is Jeffrey Armstrong, Kavinder Rishi. Vedic Vidya is available exclusively on Chitty Media English Channel on Thursday and Sunday nights at 7 p.m. IST. Our topic tonight is how Greek, Latin, European languages and English were derived from the perfect Sanskrit language of India, or why Sanskrit is the mother of modern languages and culture. First of all, let's begin with an understanding that language is the way that we program life. That's what makes we humans unique from all of the other animals. It is with language that we work with or against the laws of nature. It is with language and cooperating together that we work to create the world that we see ourselves surrounded by. This is why, and there's a famous story in the Judaic texts of their view of when the world began, part of that beginning was the humans were trying to build a tower, as you remember, to go all the way to the realm of the divine, rather than get there by merit. And so they were cooperating and building this immense tower. And as it reached up into the sky, the supreme being said, no, no, no. This isn't how you do it. So he changed all of their languages so that each one of them spoke different languages. And it was called Babel, to Babylon. Or was it Babylon? Well, both of them were interruptions in the divine will in that Judaic idea of understanding. But what's brilliant about it is when everyone spoke different languages, they couldn't do anything together. The irony of our times is that the language that has become an international language is the least precise, sloppiest, most object-oriented, and least philosophical language in the world. By which I mean the English language is a polyglot. It's Spanglish, it's all kinds of twisted English, it's slang, it's spoken in the south like that, and in the north a different way, and on the east coast one way, and accents of all kinds all over the place. In precise languages, that is not allowed. You cannot distort the pronunciation. You cannot change the spelling. Every word has a root. The root is the root meaning of a group of words that come from that root. So what language starts to resemble that more than most of our spoken languages? That would be Latin which was at one time a spoken language, with a degree more precision because in Latin you have to make a case ending on the noun and the verb, which shows that they're both in the same conversation, same tense, same person, that they refer to one another, locks the meaning into the sentence. English does not do this. Romance languages only put case endings on the verb. 
which gives you a little more precise information about who's talking and about what and in what tense or time. In English, we don't have that at all. This means we don't really have the precision of Spanish, Portuguese, French, and yet English has borrowed hundreds of words from these languages and others. We borrow words like objects with object words borrowing works. Just gives you another word for the object. There the problem doesn't arise. As soon as we're talking about meaning, then precision in what we say is essential. This is why during the time of the earlier Renaissance that the English language experienced, at least a couple thousand Latin words were just dumped into English so it would be a smarter language. So it could do science. To put it differently, English couldn't do science until Latin was dumped into it. So prior to Latin was Greek, and the Greek was an intermediate step between a connection. That connection would take us back to India and Sanskrit. Let me give you an example. In Greek, the word for education was educare, means to bring out from within. So if you're educating someone, the Greek method is you try to extract something from them, implying the truth is there, you help them find it. The truth is in them, you lead them to it, help them bring it out. Our modern word is education. Education has nothing to do with bringing out what's inside, per se. It doesn't assume you already are a knowing being. Greek did. Education now means to pile knowledge on top of the student without any explanation per se. It's just a subject, and it's mostly, again, about objects. That's why religion was separated from education, because Christianity and Islam and Judaism are all called faith-based religions. So faith was separated from education, and education, educare, now, those words come from another word, the Sanskrit word, which is adhikari. Now think about this for a moment. Adhikari means the degree of wisdom that is inside of the student from the things they've done in their previous lives. Did I forget to say that in the progression from Greek to Latin, to English, reincarnation was thrown out. By who? Christianity. They used Latin, but it was the bridge across to a time when English would have no way to talk about our permanent self. So Sanskrit is from a civilization that views all of us as immortal beings on an adventure here within matter and that our education begins this lifetime where it left off in our last lifetime. And the job of the teacher in that case is to extract that 
level to stabilize that level of learning. And that's the grade you're in. The grade you're in is not just first, second, third, fourth, fifth. It's actually how much awareness you bring in with you this lifetime. And that is the key to the profound level of understanding of education that is Adi Kari. Now, one more thing. The English word student is from two Sanskrit words, stuti, which means a text containing learning, and anta, which means the final goal. A student in Sanskrit is someone who is being pointed toward the final goal of learning, which isn't just to manipulate objects within matter. So there's two kinds of learning. Learning about how to work with matter and learning about who we really are. So that knowledge has a different word. In Sanskrit, that word is not the sole word that we've seen used by the one-lifetime religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. So what their view is, is that there's something special inside of us that will go somewhere special or not so special after this life. But in Sanskrit, we're called the Atma, A-T-M-A. And that means indestructible principle. Something that cannot be destroyed, cannot be cut, cannot be burned, cannot die. That immortal being is called Atma. Now it's altogether possible that Adam and Eve is Atma, and in Sanskrit it's called Jiva, an air-breathing Atma. And that this was a metaphor in the Hebrew text, in the Jewish wayback text, referring to the immortal being coming in contact with matter. Now, are you starting to get the feeling that the conversation is deeper than it's been presented? The Atma of Sanskrit became the Latin Atome, uncuttable. Atome meant an uncuttable particle. So now, instead of meaning the immortal self, it was transferred to a particle of matter that's not cuttable. Turns out, the atomic particles were cuttable. So, the atom proved to be cuttable, but we are not. Now, the reason I did that little segment was to show you how the conversation changes when you have a language like Sanskrit, which has words rooted in very profound meanings that bridge both intellectual learning and self-actualized who am I learning. So Sanskrit teaches us both science in relation to matter and science in relation to who we are. To do that, it was necessary to make, now so think of this, that all of the traditions of the world come forward with something they say was revealed to them. It's a revelation, was given to them divinely. And this is why in India, everyone respects everyone's idea of divinity because they say, well, that's your experience. I honor that. That's what this is. It says, I honor the fact that you have particular 
visions that are profound, ideas that are important to your understanding of who we are. But would you like to have more of those ideas is the question. If you're a scholar, the question is, have you learned enough? Do you stop reading books or do you keep going? So let me present this to you very simply. The Sanskrit language is so perfect that its grammar, its roots, its pronunciation, and its poetry have not changed perceptibly in thousands and thousands of years. This means that in India there is a library of knowledge, thousands and thousands of books, that are being passed forward for thousands and thousands of years. So picture an entire library memorized and passed forward and about 7,000 years ago, according to the history of India, it was written down so it wouldn't get lost in this most precise language. Now, as a scholar, why would you not be interested in this? Well, there's only one reason. If religion takes over education and the religion only believes in one lifetime, then it will be prejudiced against thinking any other way. Now, on the other hand, I think we can all understand and agree that education shouldn't force us to believe certain things, but rather expose us to the most intelligent thinking we could possibly have. And we will eventually specialize in particular topics and learn and grow within those fields. This is why English has been borrowing words since it even began, and why only 500 or so years ago did English get a dictionary. But you didn't know that. It didn't have a dictionary. How could it have precise meanings then? Well, it was mostly agriculturalists and people who didn't seem to care, and they all had a one-lifetime perspective, so that didn't seem to matter to them. So this question mostly is not even addressed in our schools, in our culture. Why? Because education in English is already prejudiced away from learning anything else unless it comes in as the property of Western civilization, explaining to you why linguistics was hampered by colonization, why you don't already know this. And if you think this is too complex a language, then I guess you, life is too complex for you to think about. Or would you like to have more words that are scientifically precise to describe more realities that you're perceiving? Well, if so, you learned Latin. Ah, did you think I was going to say Sanskrit? Well, maybe. And if you learn Latin and find out that it's just dumbed down Sanskrit, and that so was Greek dumbed down Sanskrit, Dumbed down means if you could have the most intelligent language, why wouldn't you? If you could have the most brilliant programming language for your computer, why wouldn't you? Would you say, no, that programming language was invented in Russia or China or somewhere I don't go to? Or would you say it crossed the borders? It doesn't have borders. It's just knowledge. It's just truth. So language is supposed to lead us that way. And this is why, if you're hearing me, you will say at the end of this talk, how do I learn Sanskrit? And the answer is, 
you start by learning a few hundred words that do not exist in English, that did not exist in Latin, that did not exist in Greek, that the Greek culture, Latin culture, was educated by Sanskrit. It was their mother, and they said, you know, that's a little too scholarly. Think we're going to dumb it down. So they dumbed it down a little bit, and now the result is Latin is called Italian. And English is dumbed down one step further from the Romance languages, Italian, French. When the French colonized England, there was a big kerfluffle. It was really traumatic socially, because the French knew they had a more brilliant language, and that English was a sloppy kind of dirt farmer's language. But it took hundreds of years for them to assimilate, and that's why there are so many French words in English. Eventually, French didn't absorb a lot of English. English absorbed a lot of French, just like French and Italian and Portuguese and Spanish were dumbed down Latin. And Latin was not as smart as Greek. And the reason that Sanskrit's been left out of this equation is strictly political. It's because finding out that the culture, history, civilization of India is first of all brilliant, second of all precedes by thousands of years Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So right there, if you've been taught by anyone that the world is the age of your religion, you've been lied to. Pure and simple. And it wasn't science that proved that. It was a science that got its knowledge from India that proved that. I'll quote Carl Sagan before we conclude. There's a video, look it up, Carl Sagan in India at a temple, a temple of Shiva. And in the Shiva temples, there are these oblong football-looking rocks. They're called Shiva Lingas, and they sit upright. And there were hundreds of them, and Carl Sagan was walking amongst them. And he spoke to the camera and said, only modern science and ancient India calculated the age of the universe in billions of years. But ancient India must have done it by coincidence. That was the one thing Carl didn't know, hadn't studied that Sanskrit has existed longer than any of the cultures of Western civilization, longer than Judaism, longer than Christianity, longer than Islam, longer than any culture of record that is now actively speaking in the modern world. And therefore, it is the untapped resource of science, the untapped resource of philosophy, and it is a linguistic lover's dream, a language lover's dream of precise and amazing ideas. Vedic Vidya means shining the light of truth. Tune in to Vedic Vidya on the Chitty Media English channel Thursday and Sunday nights at 7 p.m. IST. My name is Kavinda Rishi Jeffrey Armstrong. See you next time and have a namas day. Please remember to subscribe to us and switch on the notifications for this channel. For our other social media links, more content and to support our work, 
प्लीज विजिट सी आई टी टी आई डॉट नेट धन्यवाद नमस्कार